Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Solving the Puzzle with Dr. Datis Karazian, informing you about evidence-based strategies for autoimmune disease, brain health issues, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, gut health problems, and many other chronic health conditions. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find more information on today's episode and other topics at drknews.com. Is there a specific diet to support your thyroid? That's what we're going to talk about in this podcast. So if you have hypothyroidism, it should be first thing we really want to go over is that the most common cause for that is Hashimoto's, but there's an underlying autoimmune response triggering the condition. Now, you know, what you have to really understand is that in the world of nutrition, uh, there's some really misunderstandings of, of how thyroid dysfunction takes place. And it's very clear that thyroid dysfunction doesn't take place from a lack of a nutrient in the diet. So that, that doesn't happen. And, um, you know, one of the things that you'll see all the time with people that are really outdated and don't really understand how things work, this isn't meant to be disrespectful, but it's just, you know, one of the things you should be aware of, things that I want to definitely educate my listeners to, is that there's going to be a lot of people that think thyroid disorders are really caused by iodine deficiencies, and that's really not accurate. And there's been really some interesting information about that and other things are related to goitrogens and goitrogenic foods. Those are the two misunderstandings that take place when it comes to diet. Let's start with goitrogens foods. Now, there is this field of foods that are classified as goitrogenic foods. And goitrogenic foods means these are foods that lead to the development of a goiter. And a goiter is an enlargement of the thyroid gland. Now, you should know that if you have a thyroid condition like Hashimoto's, you may have enlargements of your thyroid gland from the autoimmune response, which causes what's called painless thyroiditis. So painless thyroiditis means your thyroid gland just swells when it's inflamed from the autoimmune response. That's not to be confused with a goiter. A goiter is a permanent anatomical change of the thyroid gland. So if your thyroid gland sometimes gets swollen and it maybe changes your voice or makes it makes it difficult for you to swallow and then comes back down. That's not a goiter. That's just swelling. And that tells you that your autoimmunity is not really managed and you're getting these autoimmune flare-ups. A goiter means your thyroid gland is enlarged and it stays enlarged and it's not changing size. So there are some foods and some chemicals that have been labeled as goitrogenic. Now, there are definitely solvents and industrial chemicals that have been sh- that have been shown to cause goitrogens, but this has not been found the case with foods. This is really the world of nutrition folklore, and research has really shown that these foods that are classified as goitrogens actually have a really protective role when it comes to the autoimmune portion of of, of uh, thyroid conditions. So, the theory behind a goitrogenic food is that certain foods will compete with iodine uptake. So the thyroid gland needs iodine to work. So certain foods may may compete with iodine uptake, and when the thyroid gland doesn't have iodine, it can't produce thyroid hormones. That then causes the endocrine feedback loop to have uh, an endocrine gland called the pituitary gland in the brain release thyroid-stimulating hormone to make the thyroid gland work. Now, thyroid-stimulating hormone... uh, 
is not only going to activate thyroid hormone production, but it's also going to enlarge the thyroid gland. So if you have a person that has something as an actual goitrogen competing with iodine uptake, and they can't make thyroid hormones, TSH levels continue to go up and go up and go up. And over a period of time, that chronic TSH causes the thyroid gland to permanently grow and become this thick cartilage tissue that doesn't change size. It just has just maintains its size. And that's called the goitrogenic response. So chemicals for sure do that. Now, back in the 70s and even in the uh, 80s, they did a bunch of vitro studies in test tubes where they found that certain food proteins um, from cruciferous vegetables, things like Brussels sprouts, turnips, cabbage, kale, cauliflower, these foods in a test tube actually can have some goitrogenic effects, but they were never really shown to have any effect in animal studies or even in any human studies. But like all things in the field of nutrition, a lot of nutritionists have jumped on this and they were immediately getting patients with any thyroid disorder off goitrogenic foods. And this is something that still happens today. And by the way, if you're working with any kind of healthcare professional that is giving you a goitrogenic food list and telling you to not eat turnips and radishes and Brussels sprouts and kale and cauliflower, I would suggest you run away because they really are a clinical uh, dinosaur and have no idea what they're doing. So that's my that's my tip. <laughs> now, um, the key thing is that the most common cause of hypothyroidism is really this Hashimoto's autoimmune response. And what they've actually found is these goitrogenic foods like kale and cauliflower and radishes have really high amounts of antioxidant and they actually increase the thyroid gland's levels of antioxidants, specifically glutathione. And it actually protects the thyroid from further autoimmune destruction. So they actually have found these goitrogenic foods are actually very beneficial. So realize that foods like kale and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower and turnips and radishes are actually really healthy for you if you do have a thyroid condition. And they do help raise your actual antioxidant levels and stay away from all the stuff on the internet that tells you that you shouldn't eat goitrogenic foods. Those are just uh, people that don't understand the difference between a test tube test, in vitro test, and actually the underlying mechanism of Hashimoto's. So that's the first thing you need to know about diet. Now, when you're looking at thyroid disorders, the other key thing you need to know about diet is that many people that, again, that don't understand what, what they're doing are going to really promote a high iodine intake um, if you have a thyroid condition. So they may include things like seaweed. You may even take iodine supplements. We're going to talk about supplements in another podcast specifically and get into more detail about iodine. But it's also common for many nutritionists uh, and dietitians working with the thyroid to say you really should be eating foods higher in iodine because you need iodine to make thyroid hormones. So they may really promote uh, foods like seafood and seaweed and egg yolk. Um, those are foods that are really high in iodine. And um, they even give you a list of high iodine foods for you to consume. But what they've really found in recent research studies, the past, well, not even recent, really in the past 20, 20 years, is that iodine actually triggers the underlying cause of hypothyroidism, which is Hashimoto's, that iodine actually increases what's called thyroid perioxidase inflammatory activity and causes further tissue destruction. And they've actually done some clinical trials, which we'll talk about in the nutraceutical podcast uh, that's coming up next uh, next time, about how uh, iodine restriction really makes a difference and actually calms down the autoimmune response. So once again, if you if you were working with someone that's giving you a dietary protocol for your thyroid and they tell you to go off goitrogenic foods and consume iodine, they're actually giving you 
contradictory information of what's been shown in the literature. So you actually want to do the opposite. You, you necessarily don't want to increase your diet with high amounts of iodine foods. You definitely want to not take iodine supplements. And you really want to encourage yourself for taking goitrogens. So that's just kind of getting out of getting the uh, outdated information out of the way when we talk about this podcast. Now, let's talk about some real things related to thyroid disease that has lots of research behind it now. And this is the association between gluten sensitivity and thyroid. And I know gluten sensitivity is like trendy and popular and things people talk about all the time now. But there is a large amount of research connecting gluten sensitivity and celiac disease to hypothyroidism, and specifically to Hashimoto's causing hypothyroidism, which is the main cause of hypothyroidism. And one of the first things you need to understand is that there are some genes involved with autoimmune diseases, and there's many, many genes involved with autoimmune diseases. It's not like one gene is specific for an autoimmune disease. It's called, it's basically a multivariate gene model where you have. Uh, several genes involved, but the most important gene that's been identified with uh, both gluten sensitivity and Hashimoto's is a gene type called HLA-DQ2 and 8 genotypes. And HLA-DQ2, 8, and also HLA-DQ1, 4 are gene types that make a person susceptible to developing Hashimoto's in their lifespan. Usually it turns on at age 30 or 40. And those are the same genes that make people gluten sensitive or even specifically HLA-DQ2 and 8 sensitive susceptible to celiac disease and there's been numerous human clinical studies now done where people go on a gluten-free diet and their thyroid replacement medication dosages drop their symptoms change there's even some studies where they show some of the study subjects go into complete remission uh, when they go on a gluten-free diet so there's some really strong associations with gluten so if you have for example, hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, you got to take this gluten sensitivity thing very, very seriously. As a matter of fact, I would say um, if you're trying to calm down your Hashimoto's and thyroid through diet, if you can't become gluten-free, you're going to have a really hard time turning this around. And, and I can tell you working with countless patients suffering from Hashimoto's, uh, trying to implement a dietitian lifestyle approach for them, it's one of the most significant factors. And when you look at going gluten-free, there's a few things you need to know. There's no such thing as almost gluten-free or mostly gluten-free. That means you're still getting the exposure to the protein, and exposure to the protein can, has been shown to create an inflammatory response for sometimes weeks to months afterwards. So either you're gluten-free or you're not. It's that simple. Just like you're either pregnant or you're not. There's not mostly pregnant or almost pregnant, right? So it has to be very, very strict. So you have to go on a very strict gluten-free diet. You should also know that going gluten-free for three days or seven days may not be enough for you to even notice any symptoms. So another common thing that I think clinicians see all the time, I've seen it over and over again, is someone coming in that I was gluten-free for a whole five days, a whole week, and I didn't have my symptoms go away. Well, guess what? It's not going to go away in five to seven days. It's going to take much longer than that. It could take three to four weeks before you notice a difference. So, you, so if you're really looking at diet impacting your thyroid function, one of the key things to really do is is, is go on a very strict gluten-free diet. Now, when we talk about gluten-free, there's some things you need to understand. Uh, gluten has a protein structure and a protein sequence that is very similar to other proteins. And those other proteins are milk proteins and grain proteins. 
And what researchers have found, and some studies that I've also published on in the peer-reviewed literature, is there's cross-reactivity between gluten and, for example, milk protein. So really what you find is some people, gluten-free is not really enough. And they really have to also go grain-free and dairy-free to get the best change because there's similarities of gluten proteins to um, other grain proteins like rice, like corn, um, quinoa, um, oats. Uh, so it's also easier just to go grain and dairy-free uh, if you're really trying to see what's happening with your autoimmunity. Now, if you want to start one place, then go gluten-free. The problem is some people go gluten-free and they still eat a lot of dairy and put cheese on everything and milk and everything, and that still causes the cross-reactive reaction. So the proteins with milk protein casein are very similar to gluten. So it's almost like they're not getting the benefits of their uh, immune removal uh, of that protein. And then when they're then a lot of people go gluten-free, they immediately go to like the health food store, get every single gluten-free cookie, bread, sweets, and they eat all these refined <laughs> refined grains with uh, that are gluten-free, but those proteins cross-react. So in reality, even though there's a relation with the gluten, gluten can cross-react with milk proteins and grain proteins, and if you're really looking at trying to calm down the inflammatory autoimmune response, you really need to go basically gluten, grain, dairy-free, to make it make a significant change, and this is you know really where the term autoimmune paleo comes in, where they you know avoid not just gluten but gluten, dairy, and grains. So that's a key thing that you need to know about. Now, other food proteins that have been shown to really trigger Hashimoto's are also called lectins, and lectins are um, sugary proteins, glycoproteins that are very very sticky, and they're found in uh, basically seeds and nuts. So bell peppers, uh, almonds, cashews, uh, seeds in eggplant, seeds in tomatoes, those are all lectins. And lectins then have been shown to directly cross-react or antibodies against lectins to actual thyroid tissues, uh, specifically TPO, the main enzyme that's involved in making thyroid hormones. So there are many people that have to also avoid lectins. So when you're looking at like what kind of dietary things you need to do for Hashimoto's, it's actually... Um, you know, making sure that you don't overdo it on the iodine. Goitrogen foods are really actually very good for you. Uh, and uh, you really probably should really look at your reactions to all grains and lectins and milk to really calm down the autoimmune expression of it. And, and for the most part, it's like, well, that's a lot of foods. I'm not sure what to do. But, you know, in a clinical scenario, sometimes it's, it's very important when you go on a diet to really look at the diet as something that's uh, – therapeutic and also diagnostic. So if you go on a really strict autoimmune paleo diet where you're avoiding all these foods for, let's say, a good four to six weeks, uh, you can see what kind of impact it has on you. For some people, it immediately improves their metabolism. For the first time, they start to lose weight, their skin changes in a healthy way, their energy levels improve, their brain fog goes away, but they don't notice until the four, four to six weeks out. And then they are basically, when they go back to regular regular diet and start to eat you know, lots of grains and gluten, these types of foods again, they really um, notice the significant impact it has on them. So you really want to look at this four, four to six week window. If you need some direction of how to like follow these dietary guidelines and what kind of foods to eat and some menus, we uh, I created a program 
called uh, Hashimoto's uh, Solving the Puzzle. And it's available at Dr. K News, drknews.com. And we go through all the different pieces of the puzzle that can trigger Hashimoto's, and diet is one of them. And we really walk you through and teach you how these variables impact uh, uh, thyroid gland function, specifically Hashimoto's. Now, we talked a lot about uh, dietary restrictions, but there's other things that you have to know about when you're looking at diet to improve your thyroid gland function, which is if you have hypothyroidism, it's most likely due to having Hashimoto's. Um, microbiome health has been shown to be a key factor. So if you're if you're not eating a diverse list of foods, it can really impact the diversity of bacteria in your microbiome. And and uh, this is the problem we have many, many times when we see patients that are dealing with autoimmune Hashimoto's. They restrict all their food, so they go on this autoimmune paleo diet. And since they're not eating grains and milk, they kind of just go, well, I'm just going to eat the same breakfast every day and the same lunch every day. And they kind of disconnect with food. And uh, and then what happens is that their diet becomes um, um, very simplified, and it loses this diversity of different plant foods and vegetables. And when you decrease the diversity of your diet, especially with different types of plant fibers, you decrease the diversity of the, your microbiome. And if you have autoimmunity, uh, you have to have microbiome diversity to really modulate your immune system. So what they found is that bacteria actually have uh, the ability to produce different types of postbiotics or lipopolysaccharides and have different enzymes that help modulate the immune system. And the more diverse bacteria species are in the gut, the less expressed autoimmunity becomes. So when you when you do follow guidelines of restrictions of an autoimmune paleo diet, it's also very important to diversify your diet with lots of different vegetables and plant foods. And uh, in our um, Hashimoto Solving the Puzzle program, we talk about doing something like a veggie mix where you mix lots of vegetables together, blend them together, and, and have a couple of tablespoons of that every day to really help improve diversity of the gut. So that's that's really critical. There's also studies that have shown that high sodium intake really triggers the Hashimoto's autoimmune response. That's something to understand. And also unrelated to like restricting foods and and um, getting a diverse diet, uh, blood sugar spikes have been shown to be a real key factor in triggering the autoimmune response. So if you're dealing with Hashimoto's uh, as your cause of hypothyroidism, which is majority of cases, you know, every time you have a blood sugar imbalance, blood sugar spike, you're probably promoting an inflammatory response and have a potential to trigger your autoimmune response. And the ways you know that you're really promoting this blood sugar spike is if it, there's a change in your energy levels after you eat. So if you eat and you feel tired and need to pass out, that's an insulin surge. Insulin surges can definitely activate the, the inflammatory autoimmune response. They activate something called rage receptors, receptors for advanced glycation end products, which then triggers something called TH17, which promotes the inflammatory cascade. Um, if you eat and all of a sudden you're no longer angry or hangry and you feel normal again, you can function again, you can see things again in clear, with clear focus, uh, that's a sign your blood sugar levels was low. And every time your blood sugar levels drop and are low, that can trigger the um, inflammatory autoimmune response. So when your blood sugar levels drop, you actually create a stress response, which activates something called IL-6, which also turns on something called TH17, which adds fuel to the fire of an autoimmune response. So, you know, the diet for for the thyroid really involves a diet for Hashimoto's. And a diet for Hashimoto's really involves eating a diverse list of foods, high, uh, high in fibers to change microbiome diversity, high in antioxidants, 
to racings like glutathione, and also uh, a diet that takes into consideration proteins that trigger and cross-react with the thyroid and trigger the immune response like gluten and lectins and cross-reactive grains and milk proteins, as well as stabilizing blood sugar levels. So those are the key things to really think about when it comes to looking at the thyroid. And the concepts of eating lots of iodine and avoiding gorging foods are completely outdated. So for more information, please check out the Hashimoto Solving the Puzzle at Dr. K News. And we go into these, these concepts with diet and other variables that are important for you to know if you're looking at dietary lifestyle uh, strategies to improve your health for Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. Thank you. You can find all of this information and more at drknews.com slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, readings, and links related to this episode. You can also find Dr. Karazian's blog at drknews.com. The best thing to do is sign up for his weekly newsletter, where he will update you on the latest research and clinical strategies related to chronic and autoimmune health conditions. On social, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest with the username Datis Karazian. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. And note, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. To learn more about Dr. Karazian's disclosures and the companies he advises, please visit drknews.com forward slash about.